Hey, y'all. Welcome to Beyond 1894. It's Louisiana Tech University's podcast. And um, today we have a multifaceted human being here to talk to. Her name is Kathy Cox Boniel. And um, she is not only a legacy that we love, we absolutely love Kathy, Um, but she is involved with a new initiative out of our College of Education, Um, and it is the Region 8 Lost STEM um, Center. And so, Kathy, tell us a little bit about what this Region 8 Center is designed to do. Well, thanks, Tanya. First of all, it's exciting to be here, and the LSTEM initiative is really still so new that it's really fun to be able to kind of let people know what's going on, because we really are just barely a year old, and so um, a lot of exciting things going on, and we came out of um, a statewide initiative. So you kind of have to look at this with a little bit of context. Um, Senator Sharon Hewitt, championed this way back. She actually was a real live woman in STEM. She comes from industry and she decided she really wanted to make a difference in the state of Louisiana. So she ran for the Senate and was elected. And so one of her big um, areas of focus was STEM. And she got on that and she pushed through until we had ACT 392. And the whole STEM movement came from that piece of legislation. And so its focus at, at the heart, its focus was the creation, the delivery, and the promotion of STEM education programs. And I have to say, I think they probably should have inserted the word equitable because this whole business is about making sure that there's equitable access to STEM, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, to all citizens of our state. And of course, primary targets are our students because that's the workforce of the future. And so obviously we want to increase student interest and achievement so that they can become part of our workforce. And so um, to see that this happened, they determined that the best way to do this would be to have regional STEM hubs, STEM centers, if you will. And there were entities throughout the state that were invited to send in a proposal and to become one of those hubs, Louisiana Tech, not surprising to me, was on the forefront of this. In fact, Louisiana Tech, and they offered up front, we'll just take I-20. We'll take the I-20 corridor. Lincoln Parish is in a really unique position because it sits right in the middle. And so um, we said, we'll take I-20. But you know, when you're talking equity, you have to involve other folks. And so we ended up being awarded the Region 8 La STEM Center, which is interesting because Lincoln Parish sits in Region 7. But our major focus is Region 8, which is the rural delta of our state. And so that became our um, primary focus. That being said, we are working in tandem with Region 7 in Shreveport so that we can have an ecosystem along the I-20 corridor. That is our goal, to have a robust STEM ecosystem along the I-20 corridor. And so that's kind of where we came from, how it got here, how we play into this specifically with who we are as Region 8. And I guess we can get to how I got back to this here in just a second. Well, tell me why, you know, a lot of people would say, okay, I'm not interested in science, technology, engineering, or math. Uh, I've got no interest. Why should we focus on our students? This is pre-K through 12, correct? Yes. Um, Why should we focus on helping our 
pre-K through 12 students have these skills, um, you know, what are what are we preparing them for? So it's interesting that you're asking me that because this morning I spent about an hour and a half on a call and a lot of what we talked about was this this idea of equitable equitable access and how kids don't even realize that they need to be engaging in these types of opportunities. We talked about a skills uh, STEM mindset. You know, you don't have to be dreaming of being an engineer. You don't have to be dreaming dreaming of being a mathematician. You don't have to be dreaming of, you know, a computer scientist. But in the world of 2022 and uh, moving beyond that, all of our students, if they're going to be productive in our society, if they are going to be contributing citizens, if they are going to be well-informed um, decision makers, if they're going to be able to go pull a voting handle and, you know, make good decisions for their local um, community or their state or our country, they need to have a STEM mindset because a STEM mindset is all about solving problems. And you don't have to uh, have just arrived yesterday to know that there are some significant problems that we are dealing with. I mean, we deal with them at our community uh, level all the way up to the global effort. And so it's about um, seeing those problems, being a part of solving those problems. And I would even say being problem finders. That's what we want our kids to do. And it doesn't mean that you end up in a STEM job, but I'm here to tell you that the workforce of tomorrow requires a STEM mindset. I don't care what you're doing. You know, we had a really cool uh, exchange with some students the other day where it dawned on them. They wanted to go into hairdressing, and Lord knows we need good hairdressers. One look at me today, and you're like, you need a good hairdresser. But they're realizing that that is STEM, being able to mix the chemicals correctly to get someone's hair color the way they want it, understanding angles and how you you deal with math when you're cutting hair. It's all around us. I mean, and that's just one simple facet of our world. You can't go to the bank without thinking about STEM because of cybersecurity and because of computer science and all of these skills and internet, uh, internet and information technology that are protecting us. It's everywhere. There's no escaping it. And so we want our young people to realize this is a part of the world that I must engage with if I am going to effectively be a part of this world. So it it also sounds like, and I love how much of an evangelist, you know, you are for STEM education. I, I think that that's, it's, it's wonderful. Um, and it's also wonderful to frame the, the, the scientific process as a thing that even if you are like me, an English major and, and, but you still have to engage in the scientific process in order to do what you need to do. And I think that that's, that's what we should probably take away from this. You know, it's, I was, we just, you were talking about that. I was thinking about an experience I had in an airport and we were trying to get out of there and this family was going out and their little daughter dropped her princess uh, wand and half of it went down into the air conditioner vent. Well, she went crazy. I mean, absolutely. And her parents were like, well, you've just lost your wand. And my husband's like, no, we haven't lost anything yet. So here goes Tom troubleshooting with what he had on him, you know, coming through uh, security. He fashioned some kind of a stick. I don't even know where it came from, but he stuck something else on it that he could put. He rolled a piece of tape, whatever else. Anyway, I said that to say he was able to stick that thing down into that air conditioner vent, get the little girl's princess wand out, put it back together, 
her tears dried up, her family's relieved, everybody's applauding, and that was nothing more than problem solving. It's a STEM mindset. I told him after we walked off, I said, you know that you just demonstrated STEM to everybody in here because you saw a problem and you were a problem solver, you know? And so that's a small thing, but if everybody were able to tend to problems using those skills and that um, that STEM mindset, we'd have a different world rather than people pointing fingers and saying it's no good and we can't do this. We would be moving forward because everything would be moving in a positive direction. And, you know, talking about that scientific method, I, you know, I'm, I came through at a time when there wasn't a big emphasis on that, which is shocking when I think back because I grew up in the 60s when the space race was on. But I think part of it, and I think that's one thing that drives me now, is when I looked at what was going on with NASA, I didn't see Kathy Cox. I didn't see where I fit into that. I mean, how am I going to have anything to do with a space program? It, I, there, was n there was no way I saw myself in that. So when I moved into high school in the 70s, it was very dry. I mean, it was very dry. There was no engagement. There was no um, representation. You didn't see women involved in these type of things and it never occurred to me I mean never occurred to me that I would be a player of any kind in anything scientific I mean I just did not see that as my place in the world and um, it took people who saw something in me much later I mean I had I had my degree and I had a minor in biology and that was just because it was kind of interesting but I, I didn't envision a future with that and um it took, I guess it was it was 1989, just to be quite frank. I'd been out of school for almost a decade, and uh, people saw something in me that I didn't see in myself and really kind of dragged me into it, kicking and screaming. And it changed my life. It changed my life. And so when I think back on that, I guess that transformation for me, I realized the importance and how it completely altered my trajectory. I want to provide those opportunities for other people, but much younger in their life, because then they're able to make a more informed decision. They can prepare, they can select those stepping stones, put those tools in their toolkit. I never had that opportunity until I'd been working for almost 10 years. And, and, and I was just one of those lucky ones that was not afraid to take advantage of it. But our young people need to see that they can do this. And I think it's important that they have a champion or an advocate or someone that says, yes, you can. And I'm going to I'm going to open this door for you and help you get through it. So to to build on that, what kind of things is is the Region 8 LSTEM Center doing? You're you're offering workshops for students or helping our teachers become more adept at incorporating science, technology, engineering, and math across the curriculum. Tell us about those things. Okay, so uh, first, I need to qualify by saying um, when people hear STEM Center, they think a STEM museum or they think a place where kids go and do activities, and that's not what we are. We are not a brick-and-mortar facility. I'm in an office over in Woodard Hall. I work out of SciTech. I'm part of the College of Education. I have a small office. It's all good. Um, so what we do in building this uh this infrastructure, if you will. We kind of started with LSTEM and the funding rolls through uh, Board of Regents and then we start seeding programs at satellite sites along the I-20 corridor, okay? And so obviously 
there are a multitude of stakeholders that, that you can involve in this. We have to be very strategic as we move forward because there are very specific goals that LSTEM has, and it has to be connected to workforce. We have to be thinking, how is this going to play into our um, workforce? And so um, our name, our informal name is SKILLS. It's uh, STEM Collective for Innovative Louisiana Stakeholders. So we, we invite all of these different people in. And so we have post-secondary at all levels. We're working with universities. We're working with community colleges. We're working with training institutes. All these different opportunities because, hey, this is not a cookie-cutter operation. It needs to be customized to meet the needs of the partners as well as the people they're serving. So you have everybody from Louisiana Tech to Bossier Parish Community College to Unitech Training Academy, I mean, and everything in between. And uh, from there, we move down to uh, pre-K-12 um, systems. And so we have different ones, Morehouse, uh, Caddo Parish, West Carroll, uh, Monroe City, Lincoln Parish, they're just all along. We ask them to envision uh, what they see a dynamic, robust STEM program, what that would look like where they are. And then we offer them seed funding. And that funding can be uh, for anything from professional development for their teachers. It can be for a summer camp series. It can be our equipment so they can start a robotics program. Um, it can be a mentoring uh academy or whatever they want to do, we let them design it. And then uh, they do their thing and we see how that connects along I-20. And then we also are partnering with Chambers of Commerce, with the North Louisiana Economic, Economic uh, Partnership, you know, all of these things, cyber.org, it just all folds in together because it takes all of us. So when I tell people about the STEM Center, I'm like, don't think you're going to come over and walk into a STEM Center with kids running around doing their thing. What we are doing is we are empowering our satellite sites, our satellite partners to do their thing, and then we are coming along beside them to support them. That's one of our big things. We want to provide what they need. We want to support them as they do it and then build that infrastructure. And then we're doing some other things as well. And we have to partner to do it because I'm a staff of one. I've got great people over in SciTech that are willing to help, but they have their own responsibilities as well. So, for example, we partnered with Kappa Delta Sorority, and we did a STEM thing for Girl Scouts. We partnered with Women in Aviation at Louisiana Tech, and we did a Girls in Aviation Day. Um, we partnered with libraries. We're starting teen science cafes. We're looking at taking, I mean, just all of these different kinds of things different types of opportunities so that we can reach as many people as possible. I think that that's, it, it, it sounds so much like you are trying, you're not imposing our idea of what STEM education should be, but a very culturally respectful idea you know, of what that, STEM should be. That came up on that call this morning because one of my counterparts that happens to be in one of the southern regions of the state, well, he just found it baffling that that this idea of, of access was an issue. And he's in a more urban environment. And I finally said, you have to realize that not only do we have extreme geographic issues, I mean, you know, I we have areas, and I like to tease because, I mean, this is my home, and I know this, but where we have to pipe sunlight in because they're so remote. And so to think that an urban environment with public transportation is going to operate in the same way that we have people that are so remote that it would take them hours to get to a site where something's going on, you can't expect the same type of thing. They've not generationally, they've not culturally, they've not been there 
Some of them don't even understand what STEM is. And in fact, that became a big point of discussion at the beginning. What is STEM? Everybody's got a different definition of what STEM is. Yes, we know it involves science, technology, engineering, mathematics, but is that it? And so, you know, um, I think what we want people to know is that it needs to be an integrated approach. We need to be focused on skills. It's not my job to make every child in East Carroll Parish, you know, an engineer. But it is my job to work toward uh, offering them opportunities to learn computer science and to know that they can solve problems and to take these materials and build a tower and see that they have these design capabilities so that they have the opportunities that those urban kids in a southern part of our uh, state have as well. I'm just, I get kind of um, flag wavy about that because coming from the rural north, I just think our kids, they deserve every opportunity that our counterparts in the big cities have. I would say, especially um, when you go over into the Delta, how much, um, how little industry we have in that area. I mean, we don't, there's not an enormous amount of industry where we are currently in Ruston, Louisiana. However, as you go west, there is more industry and going east and and in that in that Mississippi River Delta there that was an agricultural area and it is it, it is hard to drive through there now and know what it used to be um, and so having having um, the opportunity to connect these skills that students can get and they don't have to leave, but they can leave. The opportunity is there right. to do that. Right. Um, I, it was kind of funny to me. We were working on the Big List STEM Summit that we just had in February. And so they were going to have an industry breakfast. And so they were challenging all of us to bring industry representatives from your area. And so people were talking about Shell and Exxon and Mobile and all these big petroleum places and building and this. And then and they said, well, you know, what do y'all have? And so I said, well, I have a uh, Chris Turner's going to come from, you know, he's a great champion. He's in the House of Representatives, and he's going to be able to come. And they said, well, what industry do you have? And I said, well, where I live, it's mainly education, health care, and timber. And it's not even timber like you see in the Alexandria area, which is down in Region 6. I said, we don't have that. And I said, the area that I'm serving in Region, if I, you know, Lincoln Parish sits in 7, and if you go toward Shreveport, there's more stuff going on. But I said, my area is agriculture, and it's not even agriculture like it once was. Everybody's trying to redefine what it is you do there, you know, and so we're trying to help them find their way through that. And so um, we have to be really careful about that. And again, I have to remind folks that, that that you have to look at each region as a unique entity because it is because of the geography because of the culture and um and and the opportunity that being said that doesn't mean some wonderful stuff can't go on there we just have to frame it in a way that allows him to be successful right absolutely um so one of the things that we were talking about before we rolled on on the recording here today was the fact that when you were in the classroom because how long were you teacher I was actually in the high school classroom almost 17 years before Tech hired me the first time. Okay. And then you, so you've been through how many different careers, oh, I Shazam. guess? Well, you know, it's all, it's interesting. I was just dumb enough not to get out of education. I just <laughs> never knew any better. I'm, I come from that um, 
claw through, you just go to work. And so when I started working and I was a single public school teacher, I mean, I was t teaching anything they would give me. This was 1981. And so I taught elementary PE. I taught high school science. I taught, you know, uh, senior adult exercise. I taught anything I could get my hands on. There were days where I taught everything from kindergarten to senior adult, everything in between. I said, and they're like, how did you handle that? I'm like, well, they're all really the same. They're just different sizes. But um, I did that, taught high school science, and that really was an accident. I never anticipated that. Like I said, it was my minor. And I did that for almost 17 years. And then I came back to tech where I was the head of the Center for Applied Teaching and Learning to Yield Scientific, I don't know, it's a long word, catalyst. And um, I did that until I went back to the district and headed up the ACHIEVE program, which is interesting. What I'm doing now is kind of like ACHIEVE on steroids because with ACHIEVE, I brought local partners into the public school system to help enrich what was going on in the schools. You know, having been in the classroom, teachers don't have the time to go out and rustle this up. They send me an email, they call me, and I can help them with that. So here, I'm just having to, you know, broaden my reach and, uh, and do that. And so I retired um, in 2019, December 2019, pre-pandemic, I will emphasize, which was lovely. And then that lasted about two months. Retirement just didn't sit well with me, and this opportunity came along. So tech uh, brought me back, um, you know, in a part-time position. It's really full-time, part-time, because I'm retired, and so I don't want to mess up my retirement. But this was too good to pass up. It's too important. It's in my wheelhouse. I love it. It's my passion. And um, I'm, I'm really excited about what the future uh, holds for this. And like I said, we're one year in, and we've already accomplished so much. To me, it's so much. I know we have so much more to do. And I will say, and I'm just going to go on, you know, when I we're presenting down at the Louisiana Teacher Leader Summit, they wanted all the directors to go down, so they met with each of us, and we're just trying to get a sense of what was important, and at the end of mine, they said, Kathy, no doubt, you've got to focus on girls in STEM, because I kept talking about the different things, and I think that's so important, because I think girls need to realize they can do whatever they want to, and I don't think that they all realize just the the complete buffet of opportunities out there, whether they want to get down and dirty in welding, or go into, you know, timber, or they want to do, um, you know, whatever that is, or they want to go and, you know, be an astronaut or whatever. I, I just think they need to think about the possibilities and not be limited by what society may have said previously was the correct definition of uh, a girl's professional journey. So uh, I'm, I'm excited about bringing more of that to life. I think that's, it's, it's interesting and amazing to me to hear you reframe, you know, the mission of the organization that you're leading because that's that is important and and the reframing too we before we started we were talking about you're incorporating Elvis in absolutely the, for anybody who doesn't know Kathy is Elvis's love child I mean we'll just leave it there that's what they call me Elvis's love child absolutely and in fact we've decided that the E and STEM may stand for Elvis it's possible it does no kidding so you, but you used to incorporate Elvis yeah. into your into your STEM lessons. So, Look, so to, students did what with that? Listen, you find people where they are. And my kids knew that I loved Elvis. That was a gift from my mom because if Elvis were alive, he'd be the same age as my daddy. And so um, <laughs> they knew I loved Elvis. And so on Elvis's birthday every year, January eighth, we do Elvis science, and the kids would find something that. Uh, was in our scientific world, and they would have to connect it to Elvis. And we had the most fascinating ideas, everything from uh, looking at movement and muscles because of his karate moves on stage to um, 
chem- chemistry because of the hair dye he used. For those that don't know, he was a natural blonde, and he dyed his hair to look like Tony Curtis. And uh, Or light and color because of the jewels that were on his jumpsuit. Or uh, music because of uh, physics and sound. I mean... It allowed them to be creative, and that's a big deal in STEM. You know, thinking outside the box, getting creative, you know, connecting ideas. And something as silly as that, it was personal to me. It was fun for the kids. It's stuff people will never forget. Here I am, how many years, 40 years later, talking about it. And um, I I think that's a big part of this, just opening Pandora's uh, box to the opportunity. How am I going to connect these ideas? How do I make them relevant? How do I make it memorable? And how do I um, connect ideas that may have once been um, isolated. And hey, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion if we're not having some fun doing it, we just have no business even trying it at all. So, so far we're having a great time. And um, this time next year, we should revisit and see uh, just how much more fun we've had. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for being here and talking to us today about STEM education and how important that is to growing our area to, and, and for our children to be open to those kinds of concepts. And I think we probably should just throw in very quickly to what a what a debt of gratitude we owe to Louisiana Tech for always going after these types of opportunities. I mean, it would have been really easy to sit back and say, well, we don't know what this is. Let's let somebody else handle it. But in true fashion, we stepped out there, we got the opportunity, and we're, we're doing our best to make the most of it. So tell us how a teacher, if a teacher needs the assistance of the Region 8 LSTEM Center, what's the email address that they should email? I think the easiest thing would be either Seacox, that's C-C-O-X, or in my husband's Air Force uh, lingo, Charlie, Charlie, Oscar X-Ray, at latech.edu, or you can uh, email me at region8lustem at gmail.com. But if you just get lost on all that, call the College of Education. They know where I am. (laughs) Well, thanks, Kathy. I appreciate you being here today. And you're, you're talking about one of my favorite topics, girls in STEM, and how we help provide an equitable access to education for all our kids. So, thanks. Welcome. Thank you for listening to Beyond 1894. Please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about this episode, check out our show notes. Beyond 1894 is produced by Louisiana Tech University's Office of University Communications.